Uh, I have certain directives here from Jeff Miller, who is our district superintendent, over some of the steps that the church should take during this time. Um, they're expecting everything to get worse before it gets better. Um, one of the things was stated is that right now the medical field is looking for this to double every week, if not within a few days. And still there is no knowledge of how this is spreading. And that is fearful to a lot of people. The other day I was out looking for some very important paper that we use around here. And uh, after going to about four or five stores, everything was empty. And um, I told the Lord, Lord, you got to find a little bit. And uh, went to Rite A's and they were just putting some out. And I grabbed a few packs. And uh, the whole process is that Elaine and I, when we were at BJ's and Sam's Club and a couple other places, Mark, we never seen the shelves so empty. And people are starting to panic. We never walked into Sam's Club and have to wait for a cart. But all the carts were gone and we had to wait a little bit for a cart. And a lot of people had two carts. They were storing up. If you remember the year 2000, this was supposed to happen, and now it's supposed to happen. And we had friends that got a lot of dry beans and dry this and dry that, you know, and, and we didn't miss a beat. But I want you to think of something. Could God be allowing this to take place. First of all, to stir his own people. Second, to cause the world to seek him. I look to the hills in which cometh my help. And I just want to encourage you if Mother Teresa could go into places in India and trust God, I believe the same God in whom she was trusting, we're trusting. The same Jesus she was calling on, we're calling on. And she would go into places and touch people that many others would not go. The other night I was watching a program and it, and it reminded me in Salvador. The government was closing churches. In Salvador about seven priests were killed. Standing up for the right of continuing mass 
One Alliance pastor was also killed in front of his church defying the government to go into the church. The church has to understand something. Government doesn't run church. God does. Jesus Christ does. Now that doesn't mean we be foolish. We don't take precaution and we're not aware. But I want to caution you on something. If you can be conditioned not to go to church because government says so, as the Antichrist sets up and says, don't go to church, who will you obey? (laughs) And we have to be cautious in whom we are going to obey and who we are going to trust. Turn me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Every one of us have to answer how we're going to respond during these days. And I want you to know something. If you get sick, stay home. If you test positive for this virus and you need something, you call. If you don't have family that will respond, call me. Call one of the members. We'll go pick up whatever you have need of, but we won't come in the house. But we will set it on the porch. We will call you and let you know we're putting it there. This is a time, very seriously, that God's people need to be seeking him. So in 1 Timothy 1.7, he makes this statement to us. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or fear. Now, he's not saying you should not use wisdom. He's not saying you should not use discernment. He's not saying, hey, blank everything out and you just say, well, I'm a Christian. I'm protected by the blood of God. I I got the shield of faith. I got this and I got that. No. He says, be aware. That's why he says at the end that he's giving you self-discipline or in King James, a sound mind. That you know how to function. You know how to handle yourself. Even with communion service, I canceled communion this coming first Sunday. Because, again, we don't know where people's hands have been, and we do the crackers and so forth. And those who prepare it, we don't know where they've been. And so we're just trying to eliminate as many possibilities of spreading this thing as possible. Without 
forgetting to come into the house of God. Because God tells us not to forsake the fellowshipping of one another. And we're already in the habit of the slightest excuse we'll miss church. Now this really, doctor, oh boy, I got a good one now. I don't need to add any more excuses. I got enough of them. But God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. And Elaine, I told her, so be quiet now. So we're walking, and Elaine said, the people are panicking because the lines were longer than what we've ever seen. And people are just on the verge of panic. And I just shared with her, that's when people get dangerous when they panic. <laughs> That's when people really get dangerous when they're panicking. But the people of God should recognize we should not fear. If he's this sovereign God who watches over us, then he's the one who's going to keep us. But we also know this. He allows it to rain on what? The just and the unjust. So what happens to them have the possibility of happening to us as long as we're in this world. But we respond differently. We respond differently because we have a sure hope in Jesus Christ. Government doesn't run the church. Jesus is the head of the church. And because Jesus is the head of the church, after we're done looking at a couple of scripture, the reason I come down here, because I want to be with you, because what I'm going to ask you to do is just pray. Pray, number one, for our government. As one newscaster said, he doesn't act much like a president or a leader right now. Obama may have been blessed by sitting under Jeremiah Wright. But oftentimes I tell my wife, he was not only a president, but he pastored a nation. I don't know another president did so many funerals as he did. And was able to encourage and give hope to a nation and to a people that he was able to do so. And what we want to do is have hope. We want to believe, since we say we are a people who do believe. Now, my little thing's not working here. If you and I don't believe, then the question come in, who are we trusting in? And that's important to be able to recognize. Who are you really trusting in? Are you really trusting in the Lord? Or are you leaning on your own understanding? Are you trusting in what the government's going to say? Who are you really trusting in? 
And that's the thing you and I got to figure out in this hour. Who are we trusting in? Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Look what the word already tells us. He says, Oh, Matthew, when you begin to see these things, look up for your redemption draw nigh. But in Timothy 3, 1, he said, But mark this, there will be terrible times or troubled times or perilous times. There's going to be some difficult days before the Lord comes. Now, this may be one of these difficult times. This may be one of these terrible times before the Lord comes. But we are to look up. We don't look to Washington. We look up. And he says in these last days. Go to Matthew 24. Matthew chapter 24. 7 through 10. Nations will rise against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Now, a lot of us, and there's nothing wrong with that, pre-trib, boy, we're going to be out of here. (laughs) But nothing saying you're not going to suffer before that what? Takes place. Amen. The Lord says you can look up in the sky and you can say when it's going to rain. And if you can look up and say when it's going to rain because of the clouds and what's there. He says you need to keep up with the time, look at the time, and you can then begin to discern that I'm close at hand. Now, the thing about... Keep saying, well, Jesus coming, Jesus coming, like the boy who yelled, wolf, wolf, and there was no what. But one day, there was a wolf. Jesus is coming. And the word says it's going to get worse before he comes. And he says, All these are the beginning of birth pains. Luke 21.11. Basically the same thing, but Luke adds just a different word in also. And and the whole thing is that he's telling us again, these things are going to happen and nobody's going to be able to stop them. Now, uh, how many of you have been listening to how much ice has been breaking loose up in Alaska. You been listening to that? I was kidding with my wife. I said, maybe one of them dinosaurs had been frozen in, in that ice and he might break loose. <laughs> no. But what I want you to think about is this. A lot of times we say we want to have zero or below zero weather. Because it will kill what? The bacteria. Sometimes bacteria is frozen. 
germs are frozen. And when the ice melts, guess what awakens? That bacteria and that germs that men have never had to deal with. And in 21, get to verse 11 with me. He says, there will be great earthquakes. Now, you ever want to know how many earthquakes have happened in the world? Check with my wife. She, 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 she keeps up with this stuff, you know. You know. And she'll tell me how many earthquakes. We've had more earthquakes in the last couple of years than we've had in all the times that the world has been in existence. There will be great earthquakes, then famines. Boy, the way them shelves looked, they would look like a third world country. They were looking like some supermarkets I went into in Colombia. There's not very much on there. And he says a famine. Now, America is not accustomed to a famine. We're accustomed to run to the store, pick up anything we want, when we want it. We get there. You know. And, and the whole process, again, is that with the church... We're there, and boy, we're running with it all in Luke 21, 11, that boy, we're not used to famine. So how would we respond if there was a famine? Now, God didn't promise you a steak. And some of you don't like hot dogs. But that hot dog keeps you from starving. Amen. See, the other night, boy, when me and my wife was out, I thought I was going to do a great thing. I treated, let's go up to Sam's Club, let's get that hamburger, $2.50, and we get the drink. We both could eat for less than $10, most likely. Where do we wind up going? Olive Garden. What do I wind up spending? <laughs> but we're not used to famines. We're used to having what we one, that might change. There's no telling where this virus is going to go or how many people are going to be affected by it, how many truck drivers will be affected by it, how many doctors will be affected by it. We don't know yet. But we ought to be the people who are able to say to people, have hope in God. But if you're not hoping any, and you don't have faith any, you definitely can't tell somebody else. And he says there's going to be famines and pestilence in various places. And fearful what? Fearful events. Fearful events. When people get fearful, even those who don't come to church, when something happens, what comes out their mouth? Oh! And maybe God's going to have that atheist say, Oh God. But you and I just say, Boy, 
I don't understand it, but my God is at work. My God is at work. Now, no place in Scripture does God promise you in a sense that if suffering takes place, that you are immune from it. We die just like the sinner die. I've had cancer. I've had tumors that had to be removed. So my, sometime my wife, when we're sitting eating, she'll tell me, wipe your face. Or she'll take the napkin and wipe my face. Because I don't have a gland on the inside where the saliva would go on the inside. It comes to the outside. And all this side over here is built up. So I got a big old bag of fluid sitting in here that pushes this out where it would not be all caved in. God is able. But you're going to have to trust him. Even in this time, this day. Because he says it's going to be fearful events. Well, the regular person is fearful. You should not be. And you should know God's going to provide and take care of you. Now, what are we to do? And that's the thing that the church has to ask. What are we to do? I'm not saying be disobedient to the government. But the government is not going to say when I'm going to preach or not preach or not be here. Now, if I'm sick, I got to hope I have enough sense to stay home because I don't want to infect anybody else. If you're sick, stay home. But God wants us together because it's good for us together. And we want to be together to encourage each other, to share with each other, give each other hope, build each other up but also be able to share so-and-so needs or this person needs or that person over there has a need. We gather information within the church as we talk with each other about our situations and our problems and things that we're going through. But what is the church to do? Hebrews 10, 22. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 22. Because we are instructed to do something that the world is not instructed to do. And we need to make sure that we're willing to do it. Listen to what he says in verse 22. Let us draw near to who? To God. Now, somebody might say, well, I can do that at home. Catch what the verse says. Let us. We're doing it collectively, together. Let us. Let us draw near to God with a what? A sincere heart. With a heart that trusts him. That a heart that is seeking his wisdom, his guidance, his understanding. 
a heart that wants to hear from him. Not from Washington, but from him. A sincere heart in full assurance of what? Faith. Are you fully persuaded that God can keep you during these times? And if you do come down with coronavirus, it's for a reason. Go in that hospital and witness. Everybody else is locked out. God puts you in. Every time I've gone into the hospital, God has put me in a room with someone that I can witness to, share with. And God's going to put you in places at dinner tables and different areas where you'll be able to just ask this simple question. Are you trusting in God? Are you trusting in God? And somebody might ask, well, how do I do that? And you're able then to begin to share with them how they can do that through knowing Jesus Christ. I don't have to start off with the question, do you know Jesus? I can start off with the question, now, are you trusting God? Do you have faith that God will keep you? If you have that faith, why? Now they just shrug their shoulders. Now I can share Jesus too. But he says, with this sure confidence of faith, are you allowing your faith to be exercised at this time? Or are you allowing your fears to overwhelm you? I'm not saying you don't be cautious. I'm not saying you don't wash your hands. And don't buy nothing off TV for somebody saying we didn't prayed over something and you sprinkle it on your hands. And but that in your heart you're fully trusting the Lord. Turn over to James because James gives you the same advice in James 4. In verse 7. 7 and 8. Boy. He says, submit yourself. Boy. Maybe you want to do that in your house. Not a bad idea. Submit yourself, your children, your grandchildren. Submit yourself to the Lord. Into his hands. Into his keeping. Lord, I submit my children into your hands. I can't keep up with them all the time. But Lord, your, your eyes are always upon them. I submit them into your keeping. And will you keep them, Lord? I submit my husband, I submit my wife as we go out into different things. Into your hands, Lord. I'm submitting those who I love into the hands of the God in whom I know is able to keep them. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. 
the devil would have you in fear, in panic mode, in depression, in isolation. You resist that. Because, see, somebody might need you. When I was a chaplain at Aquin General, and this is before they started putting the color codes up on the doors of people with AIDS. And I went into an AIDS patient not really knowing he had AIDS. Didn't have any gowns, no gloves, nothing. And the nurse was in there. And I grabbed his hand and I prayed with him. As I left out the room, she quickly came over to me and said, Go wash your hands, do this, do that. He had stage AIDS, and I didn't know what all that was at that time. But understand this when people are really sick, and yes, you and I might be as fearful as we can be. But the most important thing sometimes to people is simply that you can touch them. That you can touch them. But if I'm fearful of that, I won't do it. I'm not saying don't put gloves on. I'm not saying don't put your gown on. I'm not saying don't do that. You do all that you can do to protect yourself. But still remember, this is a human being who needs to be ministered to. Who needs to be recognized. Who needs to really understand somebody cares about me. And he goes on in that verse, he says in verse 8, come near to God. And he will come near to you. If you come near to God. And you draw with full assurance. And you're following what God is leading you to do. Not just what you want to do. And I want to preface that. Let God lead you. Let God guide you. And one of the ways you know that God is guiding you, he calms the fears. And he will direct you on what needs to be said and shared. Over to Second Chronicles 12. And we're going to pick up in verse 5 and come on down into verse 13. Down the wrong book. 
But what God is doing, as I was reading, he was calling all the people together for prayer. And we need to find ourselves coming together as churches and praying. I have not heard from this president, President Bush, President Obama, they had no problems asking the nation to what? To pray. To pray. We are called to pray. To pray. To pray. And oftentimes, we neglect that. We're looking to everything else first, but the prayer. And what I want to do this morning is take time to pray, and we're going to take collection here in a moment, because what I want to do is we pray for our country. We want to pray for our leadership. We want to pray for people. And I want to hear you praying for your home. Where does that idea come from? Remember when the plague went through Egypt? God told the people to do what? To put the blood over the doorposts? And the deaf angel would do what? And you want to pray for your family, your house, that this thing will what? Pass on by. Now somebody might say, that's a foolish thing to do. Give me a better idea. Give me a better idea. Because one thing is certain. Man is not controlling this thing. But I know someone who can. And remember what we were saying? God hears who? God hears me when I call. And if you're willing to pray and put something on the altar of God, he'll hear you when you pray. Now, men, oftentimes you guys are silent. These women go to town. Open your mouth today. Why? You're the head of your household. It's okay to hear from the vice president. But sometimes we really want to hear from the president. And God wants to hear from the president of each home. 
1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 18. And we're going to take collection and we're going to pray. Now, don't think this is going to be a habit that we're going to get out of here early. Hey, so, so I don't want to spoil you now. But, but because of the situation. See, I got an excuse. So, hey, hey. 1 Thessalonians 5. And understand this. How do I give thanks for this situation? How do I be joyful in this situation? But look what he says in 16. Be joyful. How often? Always. Not just in my good times, but also in my difficult and my bad times. Be what? Joyful. Always. Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I know that the Lord will not put more upon me than what? I can bear. And if it does come, guess what? He's promised he will make a way of escape. And one of the ways of escape for me, if he calls me home, what a blessedness it is. What a blessedness it is. He didn't give me my three score and ten. Now I'm living on overtime. I don't know whose time I'm borrowing. Because sometimes I... Uh, kid with the guys and I, uh, and I share with them. S- did y'all see that obituary that said somebody passed at 45, 55? Lord added his time on to my time. <laughs> yeah. But boy, he'll not put more upon you than what you can bear. And remember, if it does come, God wants you to shine. He wants you to rejoice in it. He wants you to be his witness in it. And he says, be joyful always. Now, look at the next one. Pray continually. Pray continually. We're not the Christian nation we think we are. And therefore, we have less people praying. But the remnant that is here, we need to follow that instructions. Pray. Pray. And then the next one is very difficult. Give thanks in all circumstances. Lord, how do I give thanks for this? I thank you, Lord, for that family that is coming out of this. I thank you, Lord, for guarding my home. I thank you, Lord, for the healing touch that you've given. I thank you, Lord, for the wisdom and knowledge that you've given me in knowing how to walk through this situation. I thank you, Lord, 
And we learn how to thank Him even in difficult times. And He says, Boy, give thanks. Give thanks. If anything happens to Elena I, just like we heard from Sister Hurd, Hurd left yesterday. She was the second wife, matter of fact. His first wife died earlier, 18 years ago. His wife died. He was single for two years, and he married again, and they've had 18 years. And she said, Gus, I've had 18 wonderful years of this man's life. And I thank God for allowing us. Now think, 89, 18 years. How old were they when they got married? But I thank God. Most of us get that age. Ah, no more. That ain't happening again here. But she thanked God for him. Can we thank God for one another? Pray without ceasing. Be joyful. Be thankful. Why? This is God's will. If God is a sovereign God, there's that sovereign will of God where he just directs it. Then there's that will of God that he just allows it to happen within a certain boundaries and so forth. This is not something at this point I will say, this is God doing it. He's smacking us for our sinfulness. At this point, I say this is something man has caused on his own. <laughs> Just like AIDS were. A lot of diseases are man-made because we won't follow <laughs> what God has instructed us. We got more diseases than just syphilis and this and and that all because we won't do what God says. But it is something fearful. It is something that is serious. It is something that should cause us to pray and seek his guidance and understand this is his will at this time. Nothing happens in this world without God allowing it. We may not understand it. We may not want it to happen. But God's allowing it to happen. Well, somebody comes up with this little saying, that's just an excuse. Yeah, that, you're just talking about this God. If he really was a loving God, he would stop it. No. Because if you understand history and you understand the word of God, he has allowed these things to bring people to a place of surrendering to him. 
It brings man, when man thinks he has all knowledge and all technology and he has all wisdom and all that, God slips something under the table to like, you're not as smart as you thought you were. <laughs> you ever have one of them kids that think they're so dependent? I ain't got so grown, I don't need a mama or daddy. I'm just 14 years old, but I can do this thing. Hey. And sometimes you have to let something happen to them that they come back to who? Mom and dad. Because they still have to learn this little lesson. The same lesson you and I have to learn. We're dependent upon him. We're dependent upon him. Amen? Well, let's take the next 10 minutes or 15 minutes, and I just want you to pray. If it takes longer, we'll we'll do that. But I want to just close with prayer, but let's have the collection. Let's get that out the way for that when we're done, we can just go. But I want to thank you for giving me this privilege just to talk with you about this today. And like I said, a little bit different than normal. And as we make changes, be patient. Father, we want to thank you and praise you, Lord, for this time.